Do you know a high schooler who is a natural leader and loves to give back to their community? The Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's Student Visionaries of the Year program might be the perfect opportunity. Forming strong teams to support them, Student Visionaries of the Year candidates fundraise for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. This seven-week philanthropic leadership development program helps students gain valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship. Not to mention, it looks great on college applications. But most importantly, it's a chance for students to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on the lives of blood cancer patients and their families. Learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or nominate a student at lls.org slash students. That's lls.org slash students. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It is Friday, July 15th. I cannot believe we are right in the middle of July. Um, Mark and his family are still recovering from their various illnesses. What did you just say? You said you feel five days of every week is okay and two days not so good or the other way around? No, no, no. I said it seems like five days a month is when I feel healthy nowadays. That's it. As I told you, my son is a 45-pound germ. (laughs) A 45-pound Petri dish is what he is. Uh, Okay, well, I am just, uh, I'm back in my mode. I'm in my summer mode. So um, a couple of things that I have to talk to you. So we are recording here in the beginning of the week. And so let me tell you about what happened over the weekend. So, you know, I'm doing my training for my ride. Again, thank you to every single one of you. If you've given $5, if you've given $500, I had one $5,000 donation for the cycle. How about that, Mark? It was pretty good, right? That's a rich friend. Anyway, so thanks for everyone who is supporting me, but I'm heavy duty back into my training now that I am back in um, my post-vacation mode. So, uh, Mark, have you ever done, you've done the FTP test for Peloton, right? Yeah, it's been a while, but I've done a couple. So I did one. It was, it, you know, it basically, this is like a test to see how fit you are. You just leave it there. I mean, I, I was dying. Anyway, so two days later, over the weekend, I did what I thought was brilliant. I went for a longer bike ride outside. So I was on the bike and we, Jackie and I went out, we went for the first 18 miles together and, you know, like kind of meandered, was nice, relaxed. And then she went home, dealt with the dogs and I kept riding and I was trying to do 40 miles outside. Mile 36, flat tire. (laughs) So... For those of you who think that why would you ever go out bi- biking by yourself if you didn't know how to change your own tire, I understand exactly what you're thinking. And I kind of sort of thought I knew how to do it, but I was like, eh, maybe I'll just call Jackie. And she picked me up in the car. We went to the bike store. They did give me a little changing of the tire boot camp. So 
you know what happens? This is what my my commentary is that when you're outside, it does it's not as hard as being inside because you're you know like you get to coast at some point, right? And so when you're inside and training, you don't get to coast. So what happens is the mileage is easier. Like just to do like for example, those thirty six miles in you know two and a half hours, no big deal. But when I did yesterday, when I was riding, I did 21 miles in 64 minutes. And I was dying when I got off the bike, dying. So I have to really stretch it out. I have to, you know, I have to just pace myself. I'm not good at that. So that's my update. All right, let's do some emails, Mark. Okay. Because I got to get on to this. If you have a financial question, we would love to hear from you. Go to jillonmoney.com, click the contact us button. Let us know if you'd be willing to come on the air. Otherwise, we are doing a bunch of email episodes because we want to make sure we get your questions answered. Deep breath. Here we go. This is from Al who says, I love both of your podcasts. Okay. Thank you, Al. We have two podcasts, this one and I on Money. Okay. I have two mortgage questions. You usually encourage everyone on the show to get a 30-year fixed rate mortgage, not pay extra on the principal. I understand the theory is most people can earn more in investments than their mortgage rate, with especially considering the recent historic low rates. However, does the theory still stand as mortgage rates have risen? Hmm. You know, Mark, I am I'm less of a fan of the 30-year fixed given that rates have popped and because I don't think that rates are going to like stay this high for, you know, 10 years, let's say. So first of all, of course, it depends on the person. It depends how much money you have to put down on the, on the home. It depends on a lot of factors. It also depends on, you know, kind of what your circumstances and liquidity, because a lot of people don't have these options. So I think that it is not necessarily the theory if mortgage rates are at 5 or 6% that it's the same scenario that we would advise when rates are at 3%. That said, let's look at the numbers. So if there's a specific question that one of you has and you're listening to this, we really want the numbers and we'll help you out with that. So Al goes on to ask, if most people are not paying off their mortgage early, are you encouraging them to go into retirement with that mortgage or maybe pay it off in a lump sum at retirement age? Again, really dependent on the person's situation. Sure, it is great to kind of walk into retirement and be like, I don't have any obligations. However, if that means that you have no liquidity and you've got to pull money out of your retirement account, pay tax on that money, and now you are shoving it down on this mortgage and paying it off all for your emotional well-being, but your financial well-being is not nearly as good, then no. But Sure, if you could pay it off and have no other obligations and you've got plenty of liquidity, fine. I think that for a lot of people, they sort of pay these things off as time progresses, as the cash flow allows. And of course, it depends on the rate of the mortgage. I will say this, Mark, I, I think that more people, if we can do this responsibly, again, please don't do this without talking to us. But I am intrigued at this moment in adjustable rate mortgages. I think they are worth considering depending on your specific situation that if that can get you into a house and you know that for the next seven years, you can afford this. I do believe where we are today is not where we're going to be within the next seven years. I think that we'll have a shot at uh, a refi within those seven years. Agreed or not, Mr. Mark? 
I agree 100%. That's why I'm not too put off by, you know, a 6% mortgage rate. I think there'll be a chance to refi eventually. Yeah, me too. Okay, this is from Kathy. She's married. She's 53 and I guess spouse is 55. Going to retire in two years. Mark, you hear that pause? You know what two years brings the 55-year-old to? Brings that person to 57. Sounds kind of like the age I'm going to be at the end of this year. Hmm. All right. Uh, Kathy's California house paid for. It's worth $1.1 million. They bought a retirement home in Idaho, and they're going to pay that off when they retire and sell their California home. Okay. So here's a great example of, of Al's previous question. So that may make sense for these folks. Okay. Here's what's going on. They're going to clear $600,000. And Kathy says that's going to be act like the, a bridge account. One son is launched. They've got pensions of 16 grand a year plus health insurance that's paid about two thirds of it until age 65 and four grand a year for life. Wow. Expenses, $6,000 a month adjusted for inflation. They've got 1.2 million in 401ks, 40 grand in a Roth. They max out their 401ks, $60,000 emergency fund, expecting about $200,000 inheritance in 10 to 20 years. Also, 600 grand is a lot of cash. Should we put it into a brokerage account while we spend down the 300,000 in pension until 59 and a half and 62? I love the show. Mark, what do you think about this one? I mean, I love the idea that they have some pensions. They're going to have the 600 grand that is available to fund these gap years. So, so they're going to clear 600. Let's think about this. They're going to clear 600. They have expenses of six grand a month. So 75 and they need that for how many years though? I mean, I guess you could put in some sort of CD ladder, maybe. I'm not sure if we're saving, if we're spending this money down when you say to fund the the bridge that you're going from is from age, say, 57 and 55. Are we bridging this for 10 years? Is that what we're doing? And if that's the case, maybe we build a short-term bond ladder um, or a CD ladder and maybe some of it is invested. I need more information because I really don't know what your social security benefit's going to be. I'm also not sure you should be putting more money into the 401ks at in the next two years. So it sounds like a pretty good game plan. I just want, I need some more details and it's not worth the risk of what are you going to make? In other words, if at the end of your five years, you know, instead of having spent down 300,000, you spent down 260. Uh, I don't know. It's not worth the risk of saying like I took too much risk and now, you know, the 300 I thought I was going to have left is 150. So it would really be, I'd be very careful about that. I'd rather you take the risk in your retirement accounts. Alan writes, 21 months ago, my company quote unquote retired me. And he says happily. (laughs) Okay. They got no debt and get this, uh, almost an $80,000 a year pension, which so far has more then covered our expenses. Now, admittedly, we haven't done much fun during COVID. One of the questions that I found the most difficult to answer was how much of an emergency fund we needed in retirement. I found an article at Schwab and they suggested that four to five years expenses to ride out market downturns. Four to five years of expenses, that's crazy. No way. I wouldn't say that. I would say two years. First of all, you have a, you have a pension. So if that pension is covering you, then I would say you need two years of expenses to ride out a downturn. 
And if you're really freaky, then three years. But anyway, whatever remains, you know, the question is, why would I invest any of the remaining money in bonds or bond funds when I know over the long haul stocks have significantly outperformed bonds? It seems to me that we nearly fit the Buffett model, 10 cash, 90% stocks. Am I missing something? Yeah. Let me tell you what you're missing. Uh, Warren Buffett does not invest for need. He is a perpetual investor, meaning that he is not investing for an end date and you might be. So what I would say is this, the reason you have bonds is that yes, of course, outperformance means something, but during retirement, don't you also want stream of income to help kind of smooth out some of the variability in your retirement account? In some respects, I would look at it the other way because you have an $80,000 a year pension and that does cover your need. Why take so much risk? What's the point? And what do you need the outperformance for? Are we investing for your kids? Maybe. I think you need to have a couple of years in a, a safe place. But other than that, I don't see the benefit of being so overly aggressive. I think that, you know, this current first six months of the year, notwithstanding, bonds can really be a very good ballast um, against variability in returns. Um, and by the way, even the first six months of the year, it's like stocks are down 18%, bonds are down 10. 10 is less than 18. Okay, here we go. John says that he's been following me for years. Years, Mark. That's how long it's been. He's learned a lot about investing. He says, we invest in Vanguard index funds and we're moving into full retirement. I've been managing our money with the occasional help of Vanguard advisors for years. Now, they've advised an allocation and with some tweaks, he said tweets, some tweaks of my own, I've been happy doing it myself. Now, with advisors charging fees, I'm trying to decide if we need the help. With only fixed income from a pension and social security meeting all of our needs and wants, our million and a half bucks in retirement accounts is basically growing for our heirs and charities. Uh, I met with a personal advisor. It sounds good, but the cost is uh, 30 basis points, 0.3% or a little more. I don't feel I need ongoing help, except I'd like to have one-time advice to review set allocations to Vanguard recommendations. After that, with no new money coming in and passive investor, I'm a set it and forget it kind of guy except for rebalancing. With a million and a half bu bucks, would I be nuts to use the Vanguard robo-advisor to establish our allocations and patterns and rebalancing? Should I hire an outside one-time advisor? Is this just penny-wise and pound-foolish to go ahead and hire the advisor? What do you think? Mark, what do you think? Uh, I, I don't think he's crazy if he just wants to use the robo-advisor. sounds like a very straightforward situation. Me too. I don't see why you wouldn't do it. And as you get older, you may not want to even do it so much yourself and having the robo is, and having the person having a handhold holding mechanism is not terrible. Laura writes, oh, this is so nice. I just want to say how much I love and admire you. Oh, Laura, thank you. Uh, Laura worked in finance as an assistant in an investment bank for 22 years. Hmm. And she says, I appreciate a woman rising to the top as you have. I am not at the top. I'm firmly in the middle. Don't worry. But thank you, Laura. Here's the question. Are the employment numbers accurate? I myself have taken a part-time job. I make one third of what I used to make in order to care for my children full-time, thereby eliminating a three-hour commute and expenses for childcare. That's so good. Do the employment numbers take into account the, the amount of women who have had to leave the workforce or downgraded their jobs? just to provide care for their children. Thank you for your time. 
Sincerely, Laura, part-time worker, full-time mom, wife, driver, finder of lost items, laundry specialist, etc. Mark, I think you have that job also of those other jobs. You know, Laura, that's a great question. Uh, the numbers do take into account people working part-time. What we don't know is how much that part-time income is replacing what was once full-time income. But it sure does make sense to me. Why is the labor force shrinking? You know, this is what people have been asking me. What's up with the labor force? And, and I think the answers are interesting because number one, yes, people are retiring. But there are clearly people like you who have realized that it ain't worth it. You know, the extra money is not enough because once you factor in the long haul of commuting, once you factor in the cost of childcare, if you can even find it, it seems to me that is a great choice. So the numbers do sort of incorporate it, but not in the full picture that you're presenting. So now I've gobbled up all the time, Mark. I apologize for that. It's been I'm in a good mood. You know, I woke up early, had a good TV hit this morning. Feel good. If you want to feel good, you want a little weigh in on your mortgage question, on your downsizing recommendations, on your upsizing. We've had some upsizers lately. That's always been interesting. If you just need some help with a general financial question or a very specific one, all you need to do is go to our website, jillonmoney.com. Click on the contact us button. Let us know if you'd be willing to come on the air. If not, we're going to be reading these emails and find out what's on your minds. We love to hear from you. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, sign up for the free weekly newsletter. It's there for you every single Friday. So today, for example, you'd wake up, you'd hear the show. Later in the afternoon, you'd get the weekly email. And it's a great prep for the weekend. Kind of gets you in the mood, right? Mark does all the work. Because Mark Talercio is the executive producer, the best one in the world. Isn't that fantastic? Our music is composed by Joel Goodman. We are distributed by Cadence 13. We ask that you leave us a rating and review on Apple if you wouldn't mind. And please try to lift someone up today. Grit, growth, grace. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.